This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Wednesday, July 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. A world leader in pandemic preparedness at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security has said that we might have to deal with wearing masks for several years, as it will take time for a vaccine to hit the masses. He also suggests that there will be no summertime lull in cases leading to another big wave in the fall. Claire Riley, host of Hacking the Apocalypse and senior editor at CNET, joins us for this and how technology is being leveraged to help fight against COVID-19. Thanks for joining us, Claire. Thank you for having me. wanted to talk about some of the work that you've been doing. You're actually hosting a series on CNET called Hacking the Apocalypse about how tech that could save us from disastrous scenarios, things like that. And you've actually been working on this for some time now before the coronavirus pandemic hit. And I think you mentioned it in one of the video pieces, like, of course, we're going to be talking about a pandemic when we're talking about big disasters. And it just so happened that everything you were working on for at least that specific episode kind of came to be. You spoke to Eric Toner. He's a senior scholar at Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, and he's a world leader in pandemic preparedness. It was so interesting, and my ears perked up right when I heard it, too. You asked him specifically, is there a chance that we could be caught off guard by some sort of horrible mutant bat influenza? And right away, he answered yes, and we probably will be. Tell us a little bit about your conversation with Eric Toner and what his thoughts are about the current pandemic we're going through right now. That was a completely surreal clip to watch back again and again as we were editing. You're right. We spoke to Eric last year. And as we were setting out this series, we really thought, what are the scariest things from Hollywood movies that terrify us? So things like mega tsunamis, nuclear winter, and pandemic, of course, was up there. And so we went and spoke to Johns Hopkins. They are the leaders when it comes to these kinds of emergency threats. Eric Toner himself, he does things like bioterrorism. He was telling me he works through simulations on what would happen if we had an airborne pathogen that was intentionally released by someone. So he's really across this. But obviously, we were speaking all in kind of speculative ways about this last year. And then obviously, 
the pandemic hit this year and the world has been completely turned upside down. But what has been so interesting is this is what Eric does. This is his life. He goes through step by step and thinks about what would happen if X kind of virus came? What would happen if it was bacterial? How would our hospitals respond if XYZ happened? So he simulates these things. He works through these things. And then obviously it happened in real life. And he's kind of in this position where he's prepared for this his whole life, but it plays out in real time in a very different way because suddenly you have concerns that the public bring in. You have concerns about mask wearing. You have concerns about how will people work in a pandemic. So it was really interesting speaking to him last year. And then we've caught up a number of times since the pandemic has hit to kind of touch base and find out what's actually happening and how is this playing out and how can we end this? And that leads me to the top line of one of your latest articles about this. And this was getting a lot of traction all over the place. In the eyes of a pandemic expert, he says, we'll be living with masks for years. And that's been a big point of contention right now, wearing face masks. A lot of people don't want to do it. A lot of people are doing it and getting mad at people who don't. But that's one of the things he said. It's going to take us a while to still get a vaccine and all these effective treatments. Even if a vaccine comes by the end of the year before it's mass produced and available to everybody, it's still going to take some time after that. And he said that, you know, we're going to have to have this degree of social distancing and living with masks for several years. Tell us about how Eric Toner felt about that. It was really interesting. Obviously, you can hear from my accent that I'm not from the States. I moved here in January not the best timing. But it's been interesting how different countries have tackled this. And back in Australia, obviously a much smaller population, places like New Zealand, once again, a smaller population, but they've really jumped on the things that the World Health Organization and that public health experts recommend to tackle something like this. And those are things like testing, making sure you're seeing where the virus is and where it's popping up, and then preventative measures. And we heard a lot about washing our hands in the early days of this pandemic, but masks are a really simple tool. There's a lot of scientific evidence that points to masks protecting you from infecting other people just by stopping the droplets that come out of your mouth when you talk, when you yell, when you sing. And that's particularly important with this kind of disease. So he says that, I guess when I spoke to him, I was kind of shocked by that as well. I'm here and I'm missing my family. I want them to be able to come over and visit. I don't want to be in lockdown. No one does. But he kind of said, we need to get used to this if we're not going to get the whole situation under control. And we can't get it under control unless we have a vaccine or a treatment. And that's a bit of time coming. But the really basic thing is masks. And if we all wore masks, the rate of infection would drop. We'd be able to get this much more under control. So I think it's not that we will be wearing full personal protective equipment for the next five years, walking around in some sort of dystopian science fiction film. But I think what might happen over the next six months, a year, is that we get more used to maybe wearing a mask at a supermarket or maybe when we're meeting up with a large group of people, we're not sure, they're not our close friends, we know they've been kind of staying safe, so maybe we'd wear a mask in that situation. He kind of used the example of Asia where if you are sick, if you're feeling sniffly, it's very, very common to have a face mask on. And if you don't have a face mask on, it's actually quite rude. So it's probably more like that where we'll normalize mask wearing rather than everyone going around in hazmat suits, wearing a full plastic shield over their face. That's not what we're looking at. But we are looking at until we can really start to see this come under more control, especially in these coming months, we do have to get a bit used to this new social order. Again, this is coming from Eric Toner. He's a uh, pandemic expert. He models a lot of these things and how they play out. 
another interesting thing that he said too was that there will be no summertime lull. A lot of people were thinking uh, summertime comes, it's going to be uh, hot outside, people are going to get out, there might be a break in cases there. But as economies here in the United States started opening up just in the past uh, month or so, uh, we're seeing cases go right back up. And it seems like there won't be a lull. It's going to carry us straight into the fall where uh, people originally kind of thought that second wave was going to hit. So, I mean, this kind of all wraps itself together. This is why we need to continue the social distancing, being careful and wearing the mask. This is how he sees it playing out. So there's actually two things involved here. One is the idea of a summertime lull. A lot of people often reference this pandemic and they look back at the great influenza pandemic of 1918. Everyone returning from war and about 50 to 100 million people around the world died, which was catastrophic. Now, influenza, the virus behind that pandemic, is a seasonal virus. And Eric was talking to me and saying, you know, you do see with this kind of virus, it spikes up in wintertime and it's less prevalent in summer. So you might think of that in flu season. You go and get your flu shot as you're heading into winter in the States here. But that's one side of it. COVID-19, the disease, and this particular novel coronavirus isn't really seasonal in the same way that traditional influenza is. But also, as you pointed out, the social aspects. We aren't seeing a summertime lull because people, understandably, were in real dire economic straits. People were agitated from having to stay indoors. They were fed up. And so we started to reopen some places far, far too quickly. There's an idea that if you really just lock down and then get it under control, you can ease back that dimmer switch of opening things back up again and it can be safer to do so. But it seems that a lot of states reopened too quickly and we started to see this spike again. So obviously Memorial Day weekend hit. Um, everyone was keen to see the sunshine. They wanted to get out and see their friends. And we started to reopen businesses. And with that, a lot of areas where there was no mandated face mask use, people were getting out and breathing on each other. And that's what led to that kind of spike. I certainly spent the 4th of July holiday sort of thinking, oh, we're going to see a spike in a couple of weeks, about a month's time. And Eric said, look, even if we lock down today and everyone one just started completely behaving. We're still going to see a spike in a month's time because it takes a while for these symptoms to manifest and present themselves. It takes a while for those people to get sick enough to go into hospital. And so it's kind of this delayed effect. So you're right, we're not going to see a lull if we continue at the rate we do. And also this particular virus and this disease doesn't really work like that. It's not all bad news. There is some good news. Hospitals are getting better and managing the symptoms and getting ahead of this before it gets really bad in a lot of patients, before they have to go on ventilators, things like that. And then we're leveraging technology. This is kind of where it all started, the hacking the apocalypse feature. You know, we're leveraging technology to help get ahead of this also. I think it was the University of Tennessee is using a supercomputer to help find effective treatments for COVID-19. This is really, really cool. So this supercomputer, literally only about a week or two, just got pipped for the title of fastest supercomputer in the world. But it's this incredibly impressive machine that basically just runs numbers. So if you imagine the coronavirus, it's like a ball with a lot of spikes on it. And those spikes bind to our cells and create little openings where the virus injects itself in, it multiplies, you get sicker and sicker. What they were looking at is instead of those spikes kind of spiking our cells, could we find a way for a drug to attach itself to that spike and kind of neutralize the virus? So rather than testing drugs on people and saying, all right, how do you respond to this particular tablet over that pill? What they did was they simulated the virus on the Summit supercomputer and then 
they ran a bunch of drugs. So they kind of showed what the drug molecule would look like. They did that in a simulation. And they kind of just did this a really fast thunderdome of drugs going against virus. Does this one work? No, it doesn't seem to work. All right, we'll try the next one. And they found at least 77, and the number is still growing, they found a bunch of drug compounds that could work. So rather than testing hundreds of drugs and hoping that they work in human trials, which obviously takes time to get approved, it takes time for the humans to respond to the drug, they could find the best candidates and they could work out, okay, which ones are the most likely to succeed in a trial? And they kind of did all that hard work through the supercomputer so that they can then take those drugs and see if they'll work in actual clinical trials, which is super exciting. And it's really kind of the first time we've seen this work. I mean, we did not have the benefit of supercomputers in 1918 when we were fighting the influenza pandemic. So it's really cutting edge technology. A lot of this work, as we mentioned before, is being done on part of this series that you worked on, Hacking the Apocalypse. Tell us a little bit more about that. So, I mean, this was obviously an idea we had before the world started to turn a little bit apocalyptic. We didn't do an episode on murder hornets, but obviously I'm wondering whether we should have done that now. It's a limited series. It's a documentary series from CNET. And we basically look at really terrifying scenarios, the things you would see in a sci-fi movie, and then say, okay, how can technology get us out of this? So we speak to experts in their field who can tell us about, okay, nuclear winter, just how terrifying is it when a nuke goes off and what would happen if we entered all-out nuclear war? And then we go out to the middle of Kansas to one of the most deluxe luxury bunkers. I think I've, well, I haven't been inside a lot of nuclear doomsday (laughs) bunkers. But this one was completely deluxe, indoor rock climbing walls, swimming pool, really high tech solutions to the nuclear winter problem. We also looked at uh, mega tsunamis and I tested out a tsunami escape pod, got inside an orange ball, maybe six feet wide, and they dropped me in the middle of the ocean and splashed me around. That was a little terrifying, but kind of fun. We then looked at solutions to things that maybe you hadn't thought of. If we wanted to escape the apocalypse altogether, could we cryonically preserve our bodies? We went and spoke to some people who are working in cryonics and found out about the people who have kind of frozen themselves to hopefully escape death, even though they were deceased when they entered the facility. And then finally, we're finding out about the really exciting technology that's going to one day take us into space and where we could live when we eventually get to Mars. So it was a completely awesome, fun series to work on. It's great that it's kind of out now. It's on CNET and on CNET's YouTube channel. And yeah, it was really fun. And it's kind of nice to see that scientists and technologists are actually working on solutions that can save us from things that are pretty scary. (laughs) Yeah, I did see some of the uh, survival condo thing. That one was pretty interesting. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to check out there. Claire Riley, host of Hacking the Apocalypse and senior editor at CNET. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell 
from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.